You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Baptist and Pleasant Green Road in Hillsboro, North Carolina. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now, here's our pastor with this week's sermon. Incredible talent in this church. And how God is using that. And um, Thank you, Wayne and choir, for, for sharing this morning. What a, what a message that God has taken on our, our sin. God has taken, Jesus is taking on that penalty for us that we may have life. That, that we could enjoy life in freedom. Galatians talks about what, what happens when we turn over our life to Him. And that once where we were set on what the law would provide, now we're set on what grace provides through Christ. And the law was that which taught us to get to that place where we understood we needed, we needed God and we needed salvation. And it came through a Messiah, Jesus Christ. Um, I want to do some review for the, from this weekend. You're going to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. We do reviews from last week. No, just reviews from this week. This week ha- has enough stuff in it that we need to talk about for just a minute. Yesterday, Voice of the Martyrs was here. Um, and, and this is kind of an overview of what God has done in like the last, I don't know, 36 hours, something like that. Um, Voice of the Martyrs was here. This was um, a passion thing that God had put on Eddie Sarvis's heart as we went through a Wednesday night study talking about persecution. And so we went through the study. He made a phone call and started arranging with Voice of the Martyrs that they would bring one of their regional conferences here. So yesterday there were about 600 people here. It was pretty full. Um, Cynthia Riley was back there, and she goes, is it okay if I walk people to the front because it's the only seats in the building? I said, be an aggressive usher. Go for it. Um, Take them all the way down front. They can handle it. Um, So anyways, she, she did. She walked them all the way down to the front row, and they sat here. And so we had about 600 people here yesterday, um, it was a full parking lot, in, including some of the grass areas that are not parking lot. Um, but we had a group of guys that were, and ladies that were outside directing people, and they did a better job than Disney or Universal or any of those folks do. Um, they had them parking in places. If, I think if they could have stacked cars, they would have. But, the, you know, it's just, just a little bit tough. So, but the parking lot was full. Um, we greeted from the time they got out of their cars to, to coming in the building. And then inside they were met with a warm group of people that showed the hospitality of Christ. And so it was awesome. And then lunch yesterday, our children and student ministries were back there and they had prepared the night before. And so there were some really good sandwiches back there and, and different the hamburgers and all kinds of stuff that were taking place. And they moved the 600 people that were in here through the lines back there in 20 minutes. Catering it is awesome. And so um, the Voice of the Martyrs group was just so appreciative of everything that took place yesterday and the way this church prayed and rallied around that conference being here. And there were some great messages that were shared about um, people that have lived through persecution and how we could pray for the persecuted church around the world. 
Um, just as a side note, I mentioned the ladies' tea earlier and about guys needing a place to go. There are a bunch of the sack lunches in the back left over from yesterday. And where yesterday they were $6, today they're 5 And we can, we can work a deal. You buy three of them, we'll give it to you for 15 So after church back there, take them till they're gone. And it, guys, it covers us at least a little bit. So that was, that was yesterday. And, and I just want to tell you, this is one of the ways that we could be the church. If you remember when we were going through the vision statements, that one of the things was administration or, or using the resources that we have well for the glory of God. And so we said part of that was using our building and then supporting that with groups of people that would come and just be friendly and build relationships with those that enter the building. Well, yesterday was one of those tests. We got to resource our building for another ministry, but then surround it with our folks that said, hey, we welcome you here, and how can we serve you? And so it was a great day, not just for Voice of the Martyrs and their volunteers and the attendees, but it was a great day for our church to experience that and to see that kind of work in action, that kind of service in action. And then while that was happening, there was another group of people that met at North in the gym, and they were working on the Awana Grand Prix cars. And so there was a group of children and families up there working on those. So that was happening up there. And it wasn't a great group, but it'll be a bigger group if we continue to do that for the Awana Grand Prix. So that happened at North Campus. And it was one of those places where, again, we go back to the vision statements where we yield or we allow people to wrestle with their faith. See, that kind of opens the door when you have a, a parent and a child and somebody else from the church that's there to help to open those conversations about what faith may be like. Like if, if God's molding people to his image, what does it take for a car to be molded so it, does, it runs down the track at the best speed possible? Because you get to have that conversation. Say, hey, we're molding this car, but you understand God molds your life so that you can live life in a way that glorifies him. And you run the race well. And so we did the yield part of the vision statement up at North yesterday with the Awana Grand Prix. And then kind of all over the place yesterday, there was baseball happening. And uh, the, yesterday was opening day. It was picture day, which meant that shirts were shared, hats were shared. Everybody was figuring out that um, what was supposed to be an adult medium was an adult small, and you needed to be a preschooler to wear it. We didn't have one of those. So there was some of that kind of stuff happening. Um, but all, all in all, what, what there was, there was a group of men and ladies and, and all kinds of folks gathered around um, Hillsborough Youth Athletic Association, both coaching and playing yesterday. And, you know, we've talked before about that piece of it where we get equipped and sent to have intentional gospel conversations. So yesterday was a place where we could go and reach or begin that process of reaching out into our community with the gospel. And it starts with just being at that field and saying, hey, I'm willing to help. I'll serve in concessions. I'll be a coach. I'll just go there and hang out and be able to have conversation with somebody that may not know Christ. One thing that doesn't happen, and it was different because I came from a, 
a coaching background that was at a Christian school, we prayed at practices and we prayed before games. And that did not happen yesterday. And I had to remind myself that this is not set out as a Christian organization. This is about being placed or planted in a place where we can have gospel conversation with somebody that may not know Christ. So the reach part happened as part of our vision. That happened yesterday all over the place during opening day. So it was an incredible weekend. God did some great things and some wonderful things, and there are things that we look forward to seeing how God's going to continue to use those in the days ahead. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through. I'm going to introduce you to a, a young man that I met yesterday at the end of the day, and I want to talk about his story just for a few moments. But today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about that, how that relates to us. So if you'll go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 4, we are still in that series in Mark 4. Um, so just go ahead and go there, and we're going to be toward the end of the chapter. We strive for independence, don't we? You know, we we, we kind of grow into it. And this whole idea of being free, it's, it's a natural thing. We, we train for it. In, in fact, um, if we look at Scripture, and we those of us who are parents, we look at our kids and we say, I, I want to train my child in the way he should go so when he's old, he doesn't depart from it. So we pull that out of Proverbs 22.6, and we say, you know, I want to train my child so they can be independent of me, so they can go out and change the world and do all this stuff, right? So we kind of have that, that idea of training for independence. But I've, a, I've got a question, because the assumption is that we should move from a dependent status to independence. That's kind of the way we're trained, and, and we think if we can create independence, then we've achieved success. We've arrived. We equate this with freedom. But I want to ask you a question. Is that the wrong paradigm? Is that the wrong idea? When we start looking at Scripture, what does it teach us? So last week, we talked about two questions at the end of studying the beginning part of Mark chapter 4. We talked about the seed that is sown in various places, whether it's on the road, in a rocky place, um, all those kind of places. And we ended up talking about good soil. We said the seed that is dropped or set on good soil, that it would take root, it would go deep, and it would produce some 30, 60, 100-fold increase. John 15 mentions the idea of what happens when fruit is produced, that when we are connected to the vine, when we are connected to Christ, that He lives through us and that produces fruit, the fruit that we cannot bear apart from Him. So God is, is expecting fruit to take place in our life. And so here are the two questions. How can we be people that bear much fruit? And how can we be a church where fruitfulness is the norm? So those were the two questions we looked at. We know that Mark's purpose in writing this gospel is for people to understand who Jesus was and that what a relationship to the Savior, the Messiah, was like. And our view of God directly impacts how we navigate storms in life. How we see God can change the way that we navigate things that come to our life that are unexpected 
that, that hit us. And maybe it's something where you're set in a certain direction and this thing comes from the side and just knocks you off your feet. I don't know if you've ever seen um, the video where it talks about the evangelism. It's a football parody and they're talking about evangelism and somebody's just walking and all of a sudden this guy comes in from the side and just takes him out. Great evangelism tool, right? Tackle from the side. And so it's, it's that idea. Maybe something comes and just hits you from the side that you weren't expecting at all. And all you can do is go back to your relationship with God and say, God, how should I see this? Because I didn't expect it. I didn't want it. it what, I did not want it to be part of my life. And yet it's here. When we lived in Florida, part of the natural, natural thing that happens when you live in Florida is you have this idea that you could always get hit with a hurricane and you just live with it. There was a season and you knew that the season could start a little early, go a little late, and there was a safe part in the middle. The good thing with hurricanes as opposed to tornadoes, tornadoes just kind of come through, do their damage and leave, and it's very quick. You don't know if they're coming exactly. You just know it's a bad storm. And so you, you kind of don't, you don't get as much warning with that. You get a little, but not a lot. But with hurricanes, they, they sit days ahead and they say, this is the path we think it's going to take. And we'll show you all the squiggly lines of where it could be, but here's the cone. And if you're in the middle of the cone, you're pretty sure you're going to get something. And the last year we were in Florida, five hurricanes hit the state. And so as we started thinking about that and um, you know, obviously we didn't have a lot of time to think, but when the first one we knew was coming through Central Florida, we made the decision to go and get stuff ready. We had a few days. And so the idea was to go buy plywood, cut the plywood if it needed to be cut, figure out where we were going to put it, put it on the house, and hold on. So that was the plan. So Stephen and I went before school one morning. And we went to Home Depot. We knew the shipment was coming in. We'd been told they were out before that. So we showed up like 6 o'clock in the morning when they opened the doors, and we got the plywood we needed. So we loaded the plywood on top of my little SUV, tied it down, and he put his arm out one side, I put my arm out the other side, and we drove home. It was beautiful. And then we got home, unloaded it, and he got ready for school. Then we proceeded to put up the plywood, and Stephen and Becca and Deb left town. Something was wrong. Me and, me and the dog got to stay. And so um, a dog on Benadryl and, and me in a really, really dark house. Um, so we, we did that. And it was just one of, those, one of those things where we planned for what we thought would happen. It wasn't too bad. It wouldn't have blown out the windows or anything like that. We lost power for, for a couple days, and wind was pretty strong. Every once in a while when there was a break in the action, we'd go out onto the street and wave to neighbors and say, hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. Okay, see ya. And go back in as you start to feel the wind picking up again as another band came through. But the idea was survival. It was the hope of limited damage and be able to come out on the other side of a hurricane with everything intact. And so that was the goal. Well, that's kind of the goal that we see in Mark chapter 4. Let's, let's read this starting at verse 35. Listen, listen to what it says. Would you stand as we read God's word together? 
Mark 4.35. It says, On that day, when evening came, he said to them, that Jesus had been doing teaching, he had been teaching in parable, parables. And he came to the end of the day, when evening came, he said to them, let's go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. So it wasn't just one boat, it was multiple boats, and they're going to go to the other side. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so much that the boat was already filling up. And Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said, Excuse me, Jesus, can, um, I hate to bug you, but um, we, we need you. No, they, they kind of went at him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? This wasn't a calm kind of, excuse me. It was in your face, wake up, something is wrong. And he got up, Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Here's the reaction. They became very much afraid, which is interesting because they had been afraid. They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. God, we read this story, and if we put ourselves in that boat, question is, would we be the one that would go over and wake up the master? Would we just ride the waves out? How would we respond? Yeah, Father, we go through storms in life, and we need to know how to respond. We just go through life, and we need to know how to respond. And Father, you, Jesus, asked the question in this passage, where's your faith? Why are you so afraid? And so, God, I pray that as we look at this passage today, that you will help us to put our fears aside and build our faith in you, to extend our trust, that you would be glorified in our lives. And that this wouldn't be just a come in on Sunday to soak, but Father, it would be come in on Sunday to evaluate that we may be more the people of God you want us to be. And so God, use our time as we look at this passage together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Essentially, there are three truths that I want us to catch in this passage. Uh, the first truth is that God's promises are reliable. God's promises are reliable. And we say, oh yeah, I trust God. God's promises are always reliable. And we go through a promise book, maybe. And we look at it and we say, yeah, I believe that or I believe this. But the, the question comes, if God's promises are always true, do we always act like they are? And we've got to understand a couple of things if we're going to trust the promises of God. 
We've got to understand that we've got to understand the character of God. We need to first know the character of who we're dealing with is God. See, God is not a liar. So that's the first thing. God is not a liar. That's one of his character traits. In Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not a man. That's almost enough said, isn't it? God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and he will not make it good? And in Psalm 117, too, it says, For his loving kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. God is not a liar. He is truthful. He is always truthful. And so if he says something, then he will do it. The second part of this, or the second thing, is that God is love. It's another character trait. John, or 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. God is also relentless. He does not give up easily. Isaiah 40, 28 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. And then, then fourth, that He is eternal. Says it, but... But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, how much less this house which I have built. Nothing contains God. He's eternal. He is from everlasting to everlasting, and He does not change. He does not waver. That was from 1 Kings 8.27. Last thing is He is holy. If we move to Revelation 4, 8-11, that whole passage is about the recognition of God being holy. It says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And then in, in the last part of that, in verse 11, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And we heard that a little bit earlier out of Colossians 1. You created all things and because, because of you they will, or because of your will they existed. And we're created. So God's character, He's holy. He's relentless. He is patient with us. And He's not a liar. He tells the truth. So we need to know the character of God. Second thing is we need to know the promises of God. It's good to know the promises of God. We have the promise of eternal life, the hope of eternal life through Him. Hebrews 6, 11 through 15 says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And then the writer talks about Abraham. Even though he didn't see it, he trusted God and showed his faith. We have the hope of receiving eternal life. We have the hope of His presence. And so we have that. He says in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, I will never leave you or forsake you. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? That's a big deal. So we know that 
God's promises are true. And we need to know that promise of His presence. We need to know the promise of His Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was given as a comforter to come alongside of us, and that God cares for us. If we throw out all the promises of God, does it take God, does it take God out of the picture of your life? No. We need to not only know His character, but His promises. And in Mark 4.35, it says, On that day, when evening came, Jesus said to them, what? Let us go over to the other side. And we don't think much about that. If I said, hey, let's get in the car and go somewhere, you wouldn't think much about it. You'd say, oh, okay, all right, let's go. And we jump in the car and we head to wherever we're going. But there is not an expressed promise in that, but there is an implied promise. There's an intent that comes with that. And so when Jesus says, let us go over to the other side, he has the intention of going to where? The other side. He does not have the intention of going, hey, let's, let's get in the boat. I'll tell you we're going to the other side, but in reality, we're just going to go partway, stop, get hit by a storm, and die. And it's, it's interesting. Jesus doesn't tell him that. He doesn't say, hey, we're going to get in the boat and we're going to die. Jesus had the intention of going to the other side. I think if he had said, let's get in the boat, storm's going to hit, and we're going to get tossed over, sink, and and we're going to swim, and some of you aren't going to make it, they wouldn't have got in the boat. Probably would have just stayed on the shore. shore. Um, In the last week or so, there was a story, and I I can relate to some of this, having been a coach and putting teams on buses to go places was a story of the Humboldt um, Broncos junior hockey team. You heard the story. They traveled. They were going 120 miles, and I'm sure the way that works is you load your gear underneath, and the coach says, okay, let's get on the bus, and they get on the bus with all the intention of getting to the playoff game that they were going to. Yet partway down that road, tragedy strikes. The coach had no idea. If anybody had any idea, they wouldn't even put the guys on the bus and wouldn't have pulled out of the parking lot. And I would say pray for that city and pray for those team members that are still around. Because they lost their buddies. They lost their teammates. They lost coaches. There are families that that are just tore up over this. And so we need to pray for them. Because in it, my hope is that they see a glorious God that brings comfort. But it was an unexpected tragedy that struck a a whole city. They had the implied promise of getting to where they were supposed to go. It's interesting when we look at this passage those guys when they got on the bus they didn't understand what was going to happen Jesus when he gets in the boat understands what's going to happen I don't think he was taken by surprise I don't, I don't think it shocked him I, I just kind of wonder if you can be asleep in, a, in a, a boat like that getting tossed to and fro how tired you'd have to be and remember Jesus had taught all day long before he jumped in that boat 
And so I know for me on Sundays, when we're done here, I'm ready for a nap. I'm thinking, okay, Jesus, you talk all day long. And you're just tired. So you go to sleep in the back of the boat. But I don't think it, I, I don't think it crossed his mind or weirded him out. I know that's great English. Um, I don't think it took him by surprise that the storm hit. I don't think he ever thought that they weren't going to make it to the other side. I think it's much the same way that our salvation is secured in Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's a done deal, and God understands that. But we wait for the culmination of that. We wait for our place to go to heaven. And we have not experienced it yet. But for Jesus, getting to the other side was just part of what was going to happen with the group of people he was with. So we have, to, we have to understand God and his character, who he is, and that he is, his promises are reliable. But we also have to understand that there will always be threats to the plans. There will always be those things that hit us. Mark 4.37 says that there arose a fierce gale, and that's, it's a mega gale. That's the, the Greek word, megas. And it's a, it's a mega gale that comes upon them and causes all kinds of things happening around them. The waves are breaking over the boat so much that the boat is already filling up and Jesus is asleep. Question, why do we panic or get frustrated when things don't go as we expect? It's because they don't go as expected, right? We have our mind set on something and it doesn't happen like that. It's a surprise attack. It's a threat. And you and I know that, <coughs> excuse me, you and I know that circumstances of life can hit us in such a way that it, it messes with what we thought should happen. I told you I wanted to introduce you to Cameron. Cameron was a young man yesterday. Um, I think he's around 23, 24 years old, and he was in a wheelchair. And he was one of the last guys out yesterday uh, out of the building. And so... Deb had met him earlier, and I was hanging out up here getting some stuff together, and, and um, Deb texted me. He said, where are you? And I said, look behind you. And um, so she looked, she said, come here. So I went out to meet Cameron. So we go out there and just kind of standing around, some conversation is taking place. There's a couple other folks there. There's a couple of young girls standing there, and they wanted me to pray for Cameron with them. So Cameron leaves for a few minutes, comes back, and while he's gone, we have a conversation about healing. And they said, do you believe that Cameron can be healed? I thought, I think he can. Do you think God can heal him? Yeah. Why not? I mean, we see it in Scripture all the time. Yeah, God could heal him. I said, it's not the question whether God can or can't. Because I think God can. There's no question about that. The question comes, will God heal him? Will God do that? What happens if he gets healed? What does that change about Cameron's life? What if he doesn't get healed? What does that change about Cameron's life? And so we had this conversation while he was gone. When Cameron came back, they asked him the question, Cameron, do you think you can be healed of this? Because he ended up in the wheelchair through a diving accident, much like um, Johnny Erickson Tata. And so he's in that wheelchair, and he has a ministry of sharing his story. 
But these girls asked him, can, do you think you can be healed? And his answer was profound. He said, oh, I think God can. And I've been prayed over more times than you can count for me to come out of this wheelchair. But I also know that my relationship with God is so much different because I'm in this wheelchair. And God has opened up some doors for me to share my relationship with God in a way that you could never understand having full capacity walking around and doing all that you can do. God is using this. So do I think he can? Yeah. Do I think he will? It's not for me to say. But if God has me in this place, I want him to use me to the fullest extent. And I just was blown away because I had this conversation with these girls and I'm expressing it from a philosophical, doctrinal kind of point of view and having this conversation because I'm walking just like they are. Cameron comes out and starts sharing the exact same things, but from a practical standpoint. And sometimes God takes us through things so that our normal is disturbed and his glory gets to shine. He did, did that in Cameron. And he can do that in our lives. So these guys are faced with this fierce storm. Jesus is asleep. And they go over to him and, and wake him up and say, Lord, we are perishing. And my question is, what is Jesus supposed to do? Do they want to get him off the pillow and get up so he can bail water? Why not? Boat's filling up. Jesus, get up. We need another set of hands to bail water. Or maybe it was just being an encourager to us. We're not going to expect you to do anything. You've been teaching all day. You're tired. I get that. But could you just wake up and say, hey, guys, you're doing a great job. Guys, keep bailing. Bail the other side. You know, whatever it happens to be. But Jesus gets up and he calms the storm. He does something that is unexpected. And we know it's unexpected because of the reaction at the very end of that passage. It, it caused fear and amazement to come upon them. So let, let, let's be honest. Sometimes we, don't, we do not think that God cares. Sometimes we think that God is asleep in a boat and isn't paying attention to our circumstances. Would you agree? He's going to say, God, where are you? I don't see you. Are you asleep? Are you tired? We read earlier, God doesn't get tired. He doesn't sleep. He fulfills his promises. And so we may get hit with something unexpected. George Mueller was, was a guy who had great faith, and he ran an orphanage. Struggled. But he was a great man of prayer. So he gathered the 300 children in the dining room one morning, knowing that they didn't have any food, but he gathered them in the dining room. And he decided that he was going to trust God to provide because God had always provided. And so as they sat there, he bowed his head. He asked the students to bow their heads, and they prayed. And they prayed and asked for a blessing on the food. They, wow, there's nothing in front of us. And at the, at the end of the prayer, knock came to the door. And the, the local baker came and said, I was just stirred in my spirit to bake extra. And this is what I have extra, and I'm bringing it to you. Shortly after the bread was delivered and brought in, the, the milkman at that point, and those of us that are a little bit older would remember the milkman that would come and drop the 
the containers at the house. Some of you are going, man, I wish it was that easy. Um, but, but the milkman came, and he brought milk, and he had extra left over from his deliveries, and it was enough for the children. And this is the kind of attitude that George Mueller had. He said, I believe God has heard my prayers. He will make it manifest in his own good time that he has heard me. I recorded my petitions that when, that when God has answered them, his name will be glorified. Understand, God hears me when I pray, and he will provide according to his will, and he will be glorified. God is trustworthy, even when the circumstances around us look sketchy. This morning I woke up and uh, run a little bit late, and Curry can attest to this, because I came into a Sunday school meeting late this morning, right on the edge. Um, and I decided that I wanted some toast, and we bought some bread uh, a little while back, and I got up and got it out. It seemed to look okay. Put butter on it, put it where it needed to go to, to get some heat. And I, and I pulled it out, and I started to take the first bite. I was like, and I looked down, and there was just this little fuzzy area. So not only was the bread not good, but I wasted the butter. So, you know, it just got, kind of got, went from bad to worse. And, uh, and then I thought, okay, well, forget this loaf. Take that loaf and, and trash it. It was just a little bit of that one left. So I picked up the other one. And, and we're trying to do this whole food good for you stuff. So we, we bought two loaves at the same time because it was enough to spend money on that kind of bread. But we sure didn't want to travel twice. Um, so... So we had this other loaf, and I opened it up, and as soon as I opened the bag, the whole bottom of the loaf was green. And so I was like, no toast this morning. But on the first, the first slices, I never saw the fuzz. I never saw any of that on the edge. And, and I'm fairly, I, I noticed detail, but I never saw it. It wasn't until it had been heated and came out that I even saw it. Your faith won't be noticed until you're pressed. When you are pressed by the circumstances of life, the faith that you have in God, how you view that, will get seen. And you'll either be a person that displays great faith or you'll be a person that will display little faith. These guys got to that spot. He said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And Jesus got up, said, hush, be still. The wind died down and the sea became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The third thing I want us to understand is that faith is the right response to God's promises. It's the right response to God's promises. Faith recognizes God for his character. Faith recognizes God for his promises. Faith recognizes God as sovereign. Oh, that we should show the fruit of faith. The beginning of Mark 4 is this whole idea of fruit and what happens when, when God's word is planted in us in such a way that it grows. That faith in God grows. That our character grows. And the fruit of faith needs to be seen in several places. It needs to be seen in our homes, trusting God for every decision that's made. It needs to be seen in our finances. That's touchy, I understand. It may mean that we increase giving. And it may be simple stuff. It may be like, I give $10, I'll give an extra dollar. 
maybe giving 1% more than you're doing, um, half a percent more than you're doing. It may just be that stretches your faith just a bit. Will God provide? So maybe showing our faith through our finances, even in our relationships. To tell the truth in love and grace and trust God to work in the relationships, in the marriages, even in those situations where we're with a co-worker. Will I trust God? And in our church, stepping out in faith to be the church everywhere we go. Um, that was one of the comments that was mentioned yesterday. And even had somebody, they expressed to me, they didn't express it to me directly, but some of the people that were at the conference said, tell me about your shirt. Because we were wearing the Be the Shirt, Be the Church shirts. That's what it is. And they would ask, say, tell us about that. And, and people got to explain that. That we're called to be the church. And so extending our faith outside the walls of this building is part of what we're supposed to do and be. So we extend or show the fruit of faith everywhere we go as the church. Matthew 17, 20 likens faith to a small seed, a mustard seed. And in Mark 4, that same mustard seed illustration shows up and in a little different way. It says in verse 30, he said, How shall we picture the kingdom of God, or by what parables shall we present it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon soil, though it is smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches, so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. When we extend our faith, even if it's small, what we would see or deem as small, God grows it. God can increase that. So you may say, this is such a small step, I don't think it's much faith. God takes that and just says, I get it. I understand. Take the step. Let me show you how faithful I am in this step so that you can take the next step. And as we grow, we extend our faith, we become more dependent on Him. This is that whole idea of not striving to be independent, but striving to be dependent. Maturity in faith moves from independence to dependence. Not from dependence to independence. God wants us to lean on Him for every step. And the more we extend our faith, the more we see is faithful. Then we extend our faith, the more we see is faithful. And the bigger those challenges get. And all of that time, God receives the glory. God receives the praise and the honor as we do that. And so the question is, how is your faith? On a scale of 1 to 10, where would you put your faith? And maybe it's different. Maybe say, I'm, a, I'm like a 9 on finances. But when it comes to having a, a, a talk or having a discussion with a coworker about faith, I'm like a two. I mean, I can't hardly get out of my chair. I'm stuck. I want to go have the conversation. And it just doesn't happen. And it may be flipped. Maybe, maybe you say, I'm really good about extending faith when I'm talking about my home. But when I come to church, I kind of like the comfort of my church and I don't want anything to change here. And so... At home, my faith may be eight. In the church, my faith is two or three. 
Maybe we need to pray that God would extend our faith in all areas of life, whether it be personally or corporately, that we not just know God intellectually or not just have a relationship that's surface, but we say, God, I want to trust you for everything that my life is about. And if it causes me discomfort, so be it. If it means getting in a boat where I don't know exactly how it's going to go, that I will get in the boat and trust that even if I think that you're asleep, understand that you are still God and in control. And then we go to him on a regular basis. And it may be a little less than God, we're perishing. It may be more like, God, help me navigate this so that you receive the glory And out of that, allow me to be amazed by the hand of God at work. Allow me to see that and stand in awe of an awesome God. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this passage, God, we know that you are reliable that you are true, that you don't lie, and you've given us promises that we can latch on to, that all authority has been given you in heaven and on earth, and that you provide a comforter to us in the Holy Spirit that teaches us and convicts us, that comes alongside as that paraclete that comes alongside us to navigate. Father, we also understand that we will go through things that are unexpected. We may even go through things that we sort of expect, but we don't know how to handle them. And God, we need our faith to increase. Father, there may be some in this room that when we start talking about faith in you have never expressed their faith in Almighty God and received the forgiveness that comes through Christ. And so, Father, I pray that you would draw them to yourself. That this morning they would have the boldness and courage to come forward as we do a time of invitation, to come forward and say, I want to know what it is to follow Christ, and I want to trust him with my life. I want to have that first expression of faith. There may be some of us, when we start talking about faith, that would just grip a pew in front of us and not want to let go. Because the back of the pew is comfort. And so, Father, I pray there may be some in here that would need to come to this altar and just spend time saying, God, extend my faith. From where I'm at now and start starting to move to where you want me to be. Father, there may be some that need to express faith and saying, I want to join with the family of faith here. And God, corporately do this thing together of being the church. And so God, whatever you've called us to this morning, God, I pray that we will be obedient to you. Be willing to get in the boat, let go, and say, God, I'm yours. And so God, do during this time what pleases you. Help our ears to be attentive to your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday at 1030 for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, please do share it with others and check out our other ministries at ebcconnect.org.